Yeah, right on, man. Wow. Very excited for you, too, with your faith. And I had a similar one I'll just share. You guys know I just had my our, uh, second child, a daughter. She's a month old now already. Time flies with kids. You know, up at night, you guys know how it goes. So, you know, helping feed her. Um, and I it was like 2.30. This was this past 2.30 in the morning. And, um, you know, I'm doing, you know, helping, you know, feed the baby. And then I couldn't go back to sleep. I was feeling some stress related to some, some of the work I'm, I'm doing with my ministry right now. And similar to Kenny, I was like, you know, and, you know when you, you're feeling anxious, it's hard to go back to sleep, and the hours go by, and you're like, oh, I want to go to bed. But your mind's all stirred up. So I just started crying out to the Lord and getting my mind in the right place. And, um, and I felt my emotions shift, but um, I still... I still was kind of stirred up, and I, so I started dialoguing with the Lord, and like, Lord, how can I like get some peace right now? And I just felt like he reminded me to think about like good things. So, you know, Paul talked about that in Philippians 4, like, fill your mind with, you know, whatever's noble, peaceful, whatever. And um, so I started thinking about things I love, like my wife, and things I'm thankful for in life. And man, once, once I had that, it was like I suddenly began to be filled with like joy and peace, and it, it suddenly just, you know, fell, fell, fell back asleep. So I love that. I love that the Lord is so present, and we can trust him like that. Amen. God is good. Cool. Um, I love testimonies. I love to spend all night doing them, and, um, but we're short on time. So let's jump in prayer, and um, then we'll, we'll get in the Bible, too. Um, Lord, we thank you for today, and... Yeah, we just celebrate what you're doing. Yeah, in our lives, in our country, in our nation, in our city here, we just, we thank you. You're on the move, Lord. Thank you for the deep work you're doing. I thank you, Lord. It's not us begging you to allow us to be closer. It's you you are the one longing for us to lean on you. This is your desire. This is why you went to the cross. So whether we live or die, we will live with you. So we give you all the glory, Lord. We pray that you would do that perfect work in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Right on, guys. I want to do my, you know, I've been doing this little visual. <laughs> Rick's not here, so I'm, I got to use another guy. So let's have Nick come on. Kenny, you can come up too. So you'll be the new Rick. Yeah, Okay. Kenny, you can be Jesus, okay? Okay. So, Nick, so this is going to stick with you for the rest of your life. So, right, that verse in Song of Songs 8-5, who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on the beloved? So, the beloved being Jesus. So, when we talk about depending on God, we're leaning on Jesus, right? So, we want to put our trust, our worth, our value in him throughout our day, whether it's at work, like Kenny, or at home, you know, doing family stuff, all on Jesus. Well, there's a tendency in the flesh, right? We want to lean on education, money, finances, gifting, skill, experience, all this other stuff which the world puts their trust in, right? So none of this is bad. A lot of it's from the Lord, right? What the problem is, is this stuff can get shaken really easily, right? So as we see this past year in 2020, a lot of this got shaken really well. <laughs> so, Nick, you can, you can walk with us. So as we go about our, our days, 
we want to grow in leaning on, um, on the beloved, on Jesus. But I like having this stuff, I love the visual of this stuff following us, because we want to glean from this, right? We just don't want to build our life on it, right? We don't want it to be, you know, you know, as it says in Matthew 7, you don't want to build our house on this stuff, because when the rains and the winds come, like it just did this past year, it's going to collapse and fall. So, um, amen. Okay. I'm going to add more. Thank you, guys. I'm going to add um, tonight's topic. I'm so stoked for this. It's called leaning on the body of Christ to help you lean on the beloved. So I was going to have a more vivid picture of like there'd be like a bride up here helping me lean on the beloved. But we're going to unpack this. And this is something really dear to my heart. Um, So let's go back to our favorite scriptures, 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to see what I'm talking about. So that's in the Old Testament, kind of a third in the Bible if, if, if you're hunting for it. So I'd encourage you again, if you, so Second Chronicles, not Corinthians, or there's so many similar sounding names. Um, Second Chronicles 14, 15, 16. Um, we've talked a lot about this, so if you've missed a message, you can, you can check them out online um, So I'm going to highlight a few um, scriptures here. Then we're going to head into chapter 15, which we've kind of skipped over until now. So this is Asa. He was a king, like King David's great-great-grandson. So he's doing awesome things. He's getting the idols out. He's doing amazing, and he's been like a good king, right? And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes, right? Because when you're you're growing in your faith, the enemy is going to resist you. So chapter 14, verse 11, some of our favorite scriptures here. Then Asa called to the Lord and said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. So leaning on you. And in your name, we've come against this vast army. So he says, Lord, I'm powerless. He wasn't powerless. He had a 500,000-man army. He's got some muscle Probably some commanders who know what they're doing. So, but he, he postured his heart in a way that he chose an attitude of, if I'm not leaning on God, this is going to end very badly for me and my nation. Amen. And, and we know the outcome. They had breakthrough. It was awesome. They had victory. Let's, so, and then we know, fast forward 36 years later, it's almost the same story again. Um. Chapter 16, um, I'm just going to summarize it because it's kind of a longer passage, but the enemy comes again. What does Asa do? He doesn't lean on God. He leans on his money, and he hires a bunch of mercenaries to kick the enemy out that was coming against him, and it worked. (laughs) Verse 7 The prophet dude comes, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. And it goes down. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into the hand, for the eyes of the Lord ranged throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing. Da, 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 da. So, and then he hardens his heart. He gets sick. 
He doesn't even ask Jesus, we can think of Jesus in this case, for healing. He just relies on doctors, and it's kind of this terribly sad ending. Let's go to chapter 15 now, because this is what I really want to focus on. I'm going to read, I'm just going to read it, and then we can dive into it. So chapter 15, verse 1. So this is after the the victory, the battle, when he did well. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and Sodom, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong, and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. That's a great verse. Um, verse 8, when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaid the, repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and all the people of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had settled among them. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord, the God, his God was with them. So it's revival, right? This is revival time. It's awesome. A few more verses. I know I'm reading a lot. It's going to get pretty profound in a second. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. This is great, these next two verses. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all of their heart and soul. This is like thousands of people, right? This isn't just a tiny little group. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. And they go on. They sought God eagerly. He was found by him, so the Lord gave them rest on every side. I'll stop there. It's like revival, right? It came. So I want to focus on this part where, so he has some victory and he's doing amazing. And then this prophecy comes and it really galvanized him or it stirred his faith to take him deeper and deeper into the things of God for himself and for the, the nation that he was leading. It wasn't just him and God. In in other words, someone else came and stirred his faith. And I kind of want to camp on that a little bit. um, Because you see at the end, it happens again, right? He screws up in this case. The prophet dude comes. And he's like, what's going on? Instead of it being a mistake that he made and an opportunity to repent... Instead of like turning to God like he did in the beginning in chapter 15 where it stirred his heart for for more breakthrough, in the end he hardened his heart. So there's kind of, again, this 
we keep seeing this kind of this polar opposite response from King Asa. But for us, I want to look at this not as just, you know, the office of prophecy. That's not what I'm talking about um, tonight. But I want to talk about allowing people to speak into your life. Because I really believe that, in my opinion, and I'm going to unpack it, Jesus has put us in the body of Christ. We're really, without the body, we won't really experience the full expression of Jesus Christ in our life, in my opinion. I've preached about this quite a few times, and it's a real passion. You can, you know, find sermons on this that I've done here, but... I want to really look at, look at this, um, but I want to ask you a few questions. Like, so there's this dude named Azariah Comes. Do you have people like this in your life? I'm not talking about like the super prophet guy, right? I'm not talking about like Benny Hens coming and he's like whacking you with his jacket or, or maybe even like Chris Valentin or some of these people we respect in the faith. No, I'm talking about like a trusted friend who knows the Lord. Or like maybe a leader, like maybe your home group leader or, or, or someone you're in relationship in, you know, it's not just a stranger. It's someone that you've cultivated a relationship, a kingdom relationship where there's this knowing between you where, where not only do you know each other, there, there's this connection in the spirit where, where God will use other relationships in your life to speak to you, to encourage you, and maybe also to challenge you in your faith. In my humble opinion, I think in America we really lack that. We lack that connection. We need this because I really believe God is, as we see with Asa, people like this can stir revival in your heart. They can take the amazing things you're doing and then breathe fire on it and suddenly you're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And we know the heart of God. He doesn't like doing everything himself. He likes using people as his vessels, right? That's why his spirit's in us. (laughs) I got a few verses. You don't need to turn... um, Proverbs 27, 17. You guys all know this one. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. How do you sharpen a knife? That's what I think of in this, right, iron. Lee knows, right? You like do your thing, right? Go ahead, Lee, yeah. Huh? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, for most of us, probably, yeah. I'm going unpa- to come back to that later because I'm going to get there. Because I, I, I think we want to, like, leave the body in the wayside sometimes and just focus on Jesus. But I'm going to get there in a second. Um, so we sharp- how do you sharpen a knife, right? Through friction, right? I think that's interesting because it's not just, 
it's not this peaceable experience, right? It's this kind of violent expression, right? It's this, it, maybe it hurts the knife, I don't know, but it's for its good, right? So it's like us, we don't just want friends and these kingdom relationships in our life that just, we want people that can challenge our faith, I'll put it that way. We want people that can sharpen us. And sometimes that means a challenging word, a, a hard word maybe, like we see in chapter 16. And Asa didn't receive it well. I think the challenge is, is if we haven't created a space in the relationship for people to be able to speak a challenging word in our life, we may never actually receive it, right? Another verse, same chapter, Proverbs 27, 6. There's this version called the New Century Version, but you've probably heard it. The slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. Do you have a, do your friends ever like do that to you? I don't know, like, I'm trying to think about mine right now. I, there's a few people that I feel like I have created a space where they would, in an extreme circumstance, do that. Um, but I think so often we want the kisses of a friend, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I, and we're going to talk about encouragement in a second. But we also want a space where that friction again of the, the iron sharpening the iron, the, the slap of a friend brings breakthrough, brings life. So you guys know I'm a missionary. Um, I've traveled the world. My wife would agree with me with this. I think the greatest need overseas is not more evangelism, it's discipleship. People get saved all the time. Even in America. I mean, I'm... People are getting saved left and right. The Lord's even doing it all himself, like with me. I, no one shared the gospel with me. Um, but as I've traveled, as I've preached in churches, as I've ministered, I've met so many Christians that they don't, they don't know God. They know about him. They've heard about him. They've experienced him. But that foundation in that in the faith hasn't been laid. So discipleship's kind of a, a catchy word and it's kind of vague and ambiguous. We kind of throw it all around the place. But this isn't discipleship, right? This is a teaching. A discipleship is again, it's predicated on a relationship in the faith. And it looks different, it's expressed differently, but I really think discipleship probably looks more like how as Americans, we would think mentorship, where it's more of this intimate, again, it's a knowing. There is a place of um, maybe someone has a maturity in one area, but it, it's more, it's not just a teaching from afar. It's a relationship that gets at the heart issues where someone can really lay that foundation in the faith, where they can deal with the difficult issues of life where they can walk with you, journey with you over time. So um, 
coming to a, like getting a sermon that's not discipleship. So maybe a home group would look more like that. Um, hopefully there is, you know, like that relationship being built um, beyond just, you know, a few hours a week, um, so to say. So my question, and I really feel like this is a, a word I'm, tr- I'm going to really emphasize this in a second, is, is for, if you would consider yourself a more of a mature believer, because we often think, well, discipleship's for the baby Christians, right? That's like the fresh ones, right? They get like, you know, the special attention. And, we, you know, we got the alpha group. We got, you know, and, and it's amazing, right, that all that stuff's awesome, needed. But I think discipleship's just as important for the more seasoned Christians. Let's look at King Asa's life. He did awesome when he was new. He struggled when he was older. When he was younger, he was humble. He was hungry. He was fired up. He was open to people speaking into his life. But when he was older, it was like he, he, he thought he knew something. He was like he... Remember that example I showed? It's like he started leaning on the wrong thing, and then he was closed off to these other voices the Lord was bringing to speak into his life. So I think it's really true. I feel like mature Christians, whatever that is, it's not an age in the faith necessarily, but I feel like they struggle more opening their hearts to other people. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I think it's a challenge. Um, I think it's, it, I think the challenge, it's a, I think it's just simply a pride challenge versus a humility challenge, right? When, when you're new, you know nothing. You're going to automatically respect people, look up to people. But the challenge is, is when you grow older in the faith, you begin to think that you don't need that because we've somehow mastered it. But discipleship is for every, every believer, right? And by discipleship, I don't think it needs to be, it can be a friend, right? It can be like a mature Christian you trust, whom you've created as a space where they can speak into your life, where they can you know, bring a challenging word, or they can encourage you where there's a transparency of what's going on in your life, where maybe you're actually struggling with something like Asa did 36 years later, but there's still a humility in your heart to bring it forth and say, man, I'm really struggling trusting in God. What do you, man, what, what, how can you speak? You know, what, do you have a word for me, or, or what do you think about that? Amen. Um, I think... Here we go. So, I think, okay, some of you disagree with me, that's fine. But, especially more in the charismatic movements, I've seen like a phenomena where people, they want to live by the voice of God and they'll drown out all other voices. It's like the voice, capital V, is Jesus. And that's true, right? We want that. And I'm going to share some examples. <laughs> but just because we're, 
Okay, I'll put it this way. One of God's primary ways of speaking his voice is through other people. Like he speaks through the word. He speaks, you know, in our hearts, audibly, all these different ways. One of his primary ways is through other people. So if we're, if we're kind of living off one word and minimizing or neglecting or not valuing other voices that the Lord has brought into our life, it's almost like we're shutting our ears to what the Lord may be saying to us. Um, I call this the golden calf, and I, I don't know where I got that. I just, the picture is it's almost like the word becomes an idol. Where the, the challenge with this is, let's say you have a word for like, and I'm going to share a personal example in a second. Like the Lord tell me to quit my job and start this new business, and I got this word. It's awesome. I'm super excited. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't have peace, but you, you've got these words. And maybe you got people speak, trying to speak, well, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. You know you, like, but the, you can elevate a word so much where people, you won't allow people to speak into it because you think it's the word above all words. It's like untouchable. It's like this sacred thing where um, you must follow it because that's the word of the Lord. And if I don't follow it, I'm like, you know, in disobedience. And because God spoke to me, these other words, well, they're not lining up, right? I'll share a great example. 2015, you know, I was an English teacher for a long time. I had this awesome job for, in China where I had taught before. Had it all lined up. I had word after word. You guys could read my journal. I have it in my phone. It's pretty amazing. And I didn't have a ton of peace, but I was like, you know, I had a mission, mission's heart too. I was like, I want to do this. You know, I want to like just push through and we'll go. We'll take that leap of faith. I actually had a friend sit me down and tell me that's not the word of the Lord. It didn't match up. Like, yeah, okay, I had heard, and however I heard wrong, who knows, you know, we could talk about that process later, but there was things not lining up, you know, and this was a trusted person, seasoned in the faith, someone I respected. And they, I remember I was sitting in their patio, they just said, Daniel, that's probably not God's word. And I was like, wow. They were right, actually. I didn't go to China, Thankfully, the job turned out to be terrible, and I got married soon after. So, um, but I allowed someone to speak into my life like Asa. You know, we want to cultivate friendships in the faith that can do that. You know, that brought breakthrough and freedom in my life for something that I was wrestling over. And really, you know, if I went, I don't think I would have been in sin, to be honest, to be really honest, you know. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what it was about. But it was more like God was really wanting me to trust him in another way. And however I wasn't hearing, God brought someone into my life to kind of bring correction and to challenge me that friction, but I had a choice, right? I had a choice on how to respond to that. Um, 
I've seen people in my life with that golden calf date the wrong people, choose the wrong job, make horrendous choices, all because they think they hear the Lord well and drown out all other voices in their life. And I'm not trying to like bring discouragement to hearing God's voice. I'm actually trying to bring strength to that. We want to hear well, right guys? And again, God brings people into our lives to be a confirming word. Um, yeah, thank you. But again, I, I feel like with more mature believers, again, they often want to live off the voice, right? Like I've reached this place of maturity where I don't need other voices. I, I heard in my prayer closet, I, I got this, I had this dream and this and that. Guys, that's so awesome. That's so profound and amazing. And that's how, what I want to but um, I really believe God has designed us as New Testament Christians. If we want to lean on the beloved effectively, a lot of the time, not all the time, a lot of the time the Lord, it's his will for us to also use the bride of Christ to help push us closer to him. Is there great? A lot of examples here. A lot of us, we want to be Elijah, right? We're just lone. We're like John Wayne, Jesus. You know, John Wayne with Jesus. You know, we're just lone ranger, wrecking shop, prophets getting blasted, revival, rain, all that jazz. You know, it's interesting with Elijah. You know, after his epics, he's got, you guys should read his stories. He struggled being alone. He really did. You can read in 1 Kings. Eventually, he had to hand off the ministry to Elisha. And it's interesting, if you would compare to Elijah to Elisha, Elisha got double portion. And there was an interesting part of his lifestyle that was very different. Elisha had a community of prophets that he often ministered with. So interesting, it was like the double portion it wasn't more, like less of people, more of God. It was more of God and more of people at the same time. Kind of, you know, surrounding Elisha, you know. And Elisha was an interesting guy. <laughs> but um, I really believe that Lord has placed people in your life to point you to Christ, to help ignite revival, and to be a confirming voice. So... If I get a word, like Asa here, he's doing amazing things, right? Victory, he's, he's wrecking shop, it's awesome. If I get a word, say, you know, from my life or direction, whatever it is, and, and I've developed relationships around me where there's trust in the spirit, there's a space for them to speak, I can trust that the Lord's word will match their word. I'm not saying we run to everybody in the church and, and, excuse me, we process everything with and get their take. I'm talking about, you know, like the, like the Peter, James, and Johns, like the inner circle that you have in your life where you can share deep things with that you have gone to the Lord with 
And you can also receive, you know, prophetic insight. You can receive encouragement and correction if you need. Amen. So a few questions. Um, With these types of friends, and I, I don't know if you guys have this or not, and I realize most people don't. And probably, because I've been a Christian for long enough. But I believe it's the Lord's will for you. So we can ask him, right? We can, we can go to prayer and we can ask, Lord, I des- I'm asking for kingdom friends, because that's, that's your desire for me. And keep asking, he'll give them to you. So these friendships, let's just have some, can they be honest with you? Um, so in other words, um, which Asa are you? Are you the young Asa or the old Asa? You know, can they come to you and just, just be honest, right? Like, or do they have to kind of, you know, tiptoe and, you know, you know, do the niceties? And in other words, if necessary, could these friends give you a challenging word? Like, have you created a space where that can happen, where that sharpening could take place? I don't know. I, mean, I, I think that's, we can talk what that looks like, but in other words, do you, do you seek out their opinions? Like, do you, I'll put it this way, do you value, I mean, you're probably like, yeah, I do. Do you value what they say? I'll give some examples here. Um, you know, when we, in the faith, you grow, you grow in the faith, and the Lord has you, like, you kind of develop giftings and things. I have friends in my life that I've known for decades that don't actually respect me. By that mean, they don't really value my opinion. They've, we've journeyed with history, but they don't look up to me, in other words. And I, I find it interesting because I know there are certain areas where I'm clearly more mature and seasoned in and have a lot more experience than them. But there's almost this, like, they just don't see me that way, you know. And it, it, it's interesting because it's a little hurtful, to be honest, but it is what it is, right? You can't force that on someone. But it gets me thinking about myself as, like, with my relationships, do I actually respect and honor and cherish kind of this inner circle the Lord is developing around me? Or do I just have them there just to process and to kind of watch movies with and just to kind of shoot the breeze? But there's not that depth in the spirit to, to really take you deeper. I, I've had other situations where it's even more interesting. I've led a lot of home groups in my life. I've had, it's interesting, I've, you know, home group, if you're leading, it's like, you're, you're a leader, right? Hopefully they would respect you and look up to you. But it's been interesting. It's like I've had people I've led who are you know, maybe even young in the faith. And, you know, they'll come to me with stuff and share. And, and, but I'm, I'm like, and the, but they don't really, honestly, it's like they don't really care what I have to say. 
I'm not trying to vent about that, but I'm like, why, why, am I, why am I here? You know, like, God's, I think, put me in your life, you know, to speak life and encourage you to bring, you know, be one of these voices maybe, but, um, but it's, I, I think it's a, a challenge. So I want to encourage us, especially with leaders, these are other relationships, is, you know, with home groups and these other places where maybe there are people that you definitely kind of look up to and then maybe they are more seasoned is, um, like, do you honor and respect them? And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, in America, we really struggle with honor, I think. I think it's something that's just not in our culture anywhere. Um, we, we curse the president. Doesn't matter what party is. You know, I, I've, I remember once I lived in Morocco um, twice. They have, in most homes, they have a portrait of the king over their table. And it's not that they like him. He's kind of a dictator. But there's an honor. There's a respect. You know, God places these people not accidentally. It's not just a relationship to, you know, I'm just going to meet some people and maybe make some friends and, yeah, have a good time. They're there to, t- they're there to like, speak resurrection life into you. It's, it's the Lord's voice. I have... We see it, you know, you guys know what church is like in America. If we don't like the sermons, we go to another church. Or if we get upset at the pastor, we, you know, we leave and run. What if we just followed and honored, you know, and trusted that the Lord has put these people into my life to take me from glory to glory. He's put these people in my life to help me to lean on the beloved and yeah, maybe I, I have heard these other things or I have these other passions, these, these desires in my heart. But, I'm, but these other voices that God's brought into my life, I'm going to take what they say very seriously because I know it's not accidental. Amen. Does that make sense? <laughs> Almost done. Almost um, done. Um, I'll share a verse and um, we'll kind of, I want to do some communion time at the end and just share a few words, but this is Tim, Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word. Be prepared whether time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Yeah, we love the encouragement, right? And I I think encouragement is one of the most important things we need, I think, when we leave church, we should feel encouraged, you know, we should feel stirred up and passion and love for the Lord. But we also need to be open for the correction and rebuke, because that's also how God loves us, right? He, like any parent, right, you love those, you discipline those you love, right? Um, we want to create that space. So, um, 
I don't have a practical, like, 10 steps to do this. Um, you know, this is in the realm of, like, unity and, like, church function. This is something I'm really passionate about, as I mentioned in the beginning. But I just want to leave this with you again. Are you the young Asa or the old Asa? So we've talked a lot about depending on God, right? And we want to depend on God the way Asa did in the beginning and trust in him in all these different ways and find our strength in him, even if we are gifted, talented, educated, and well-off financially. But we can't miss really the sandwich here of the Lord brought people into his life to bring really a, an incredible revival into the land and I believe the Lord wants to do the same thing. He just doesn't want you to get your touch on Sunday morning. He wants to bring people around you that will journey you for the rest of your life. Where you will have story after story of how God did this and that through your community of people. And in my life, guys, my life is a story really of this. When I was 19, I got saved on an airplane. I cried out to God for a year because I had no friends, literally no friends. And Lord, send, send me these types of kingdom friends because I knew if I didn't have them, I would perish and I would quit the faith. A year later to the day, the Lord brought me a friend who brought me to my spiritual mom-to-be. I got plugged in and I got poured into and it wasn't just Sunday morning church. It was in homes. It was card games. It was deliverance sessions. It was life. And it was kind of what I'm talking about. And my life has been marked by people that I've journeyed with. Not just books and these awesome things. So I hope as you head home, you know, I, I've talked about this in kind of different ways, you know, over years, I feel like in this church, and I feel like it's a kind of a hard nut to crack, because this is cracking on the American culture. Like we're we're not good. Can I humbly say I don't think we're great with relationships compared to other cultures? Like when I lived in Morocco, the gardener became my best friend, and he would hold my hand walking down the street after a month. Because it's okay in their culture, right? You're not, you're not gay or anything. It's just, it's affection. It's endearment. And there, there's that life, there's that, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I know we're busy. We have jobs. We have family commitments. We don't live close to each other, which is, I think, a major issue in our, in our societies as I've traveled around. Um, very different. But I hope as we think about things like this, that maybe we'll approach relationships differently. That, um, again, there, there would be a, a seriousness to it, a value, not just to watch the Seahawks and hang out, and, but really to go deep. To understand that in this space of relationship with the Lord, the Lord wants to do signs and wonders. He wants to bring revival. He wants to take you into all the dreams and desires you have for yourself and for your family and, and for your faith. I hope this also will maybe how you approach listening to God's voice. Like, 
Maybe you are kind of a John Wayne type where you got the voice, you got the word, and you'll kind of live and die off of it. And I would, I would, which is awesome, but I would hope there are other voices that are confirming that and you have people that are surrounding you as well. I also hope we would begin to like rediscover Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Not converts, not churchgoers, not home group attendees, not Wednesday night teaching attendees, but we would rediscover what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And as we read in the New Testament, that we could understand maybe what Paul meant, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That you have many teachers in the faith, but you have few fathers. Amen. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I hope that wasn't a hard word. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I want to pray at the end. And um, could we have... um, I didn't plan. I want to do communion. Can we have some ushers hand out communion real quick? Um, Kenny, could you come up? Yeah, Sarah, Zoe, Nick, they're all in the same home group. They're awesome. Just grab a bunch. You could hand them down the rows or, yeah, grab the basket. Um, um, As they're handing out... um, So much I could share right now, but... I have done some Q&A, which I love, before we head into a more, quote-unquote, spiritual time. If you have any burning questions on your heart and maybe something was confusing, um, I'm definitely, I'd love to hear right now, um, because I know you're probably not alone in thinking that. So if you have a quick question, I'd love to answer. Um, Wow, you guys are fast. Any questions? Oh, yeah, yeah, Sarah, yeah. Yeah, great question. <clears throat> so, yeah, we could teach on God's voice, hearing God's voice. Um, let me, the second one first. One way to know, oh, I'll connect your questions together. I know a lot of people could share on this here. Um, I would say it depends on the word, too. Like, if it's like, go pray for a person out there, like, you don't need six things of confirmation to do that, Right. But moving to China, that's a more serious thing, right? So I personally like confirming words, like not just, oh, I kind of heard in prayer, now I'm going to go. Um, you can live that way. That's pretty radical, but um, I think the Lord likes to confirm his word. I think he wants confidence. He wants us to have confidence, to trust in him. For me, big decisions, I don't just get a word in my heart. I get, like, for example, when my wife and I, quit our jobs to become missionaries. We had the word in our heart. We had dreams. We had visions. We had random people giving us prophecies in the church that knew nothing about us that aligned. So there was a series of things that confirmed 
you know, the seriousness of the word. And with that, I think a big thing, too, is having peace in your heart. And with China, I didn't have peace, which is a kind of a red flag, right? Not always, but I had a lot of wor- I had words, but not peace. And then I had a trusted friend kind of confirm the lack of peace, right? He was almost confirming what the Lord was trying to get to me. So does that kind of help? Okay. Yeah, so what I do is I write it down in the, my journal, and then if it's an important thing, you just get to enjoy the, the journey the Lord's going to take you on by confirming it. Um, yeah, I know some people, you know, can just, they want to run off with one word, and yeah, I hope, I hope they make a good decision. There's nothing wrong with that either, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kenny, yeah. He does, but I wouldn't treat it as serious as a, like, a, like Sammy's a good friend of mine, right? I've had, I've had, well, read the Old Testament, God, God used a donkey. <laughs> He'll use anyone to get his message across, um, right? That's a whole nother message, too, because <laughs> God will use a donkey, so... Um, um, what was the other, what was the other part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like Asa, yeah. The other story I had. Um, and I'm running late right now. We still have seven minutes, but um, I had we had some cool hearing God's voice when my wife and I got married. We had a load of words for us because it, it, we didn't have like the normal getting together story. And my wife had this pro- really profound word the Lord gave her when she was overseas with missions. And a guy who he was Christian, but not like a strong like like, mature believer that you would probably really respect in that way. He was definitely a Christian and a brother in the Lord, but he was once um, praying. You know, we're all hanging out praying, right? Created that space. He was, I remember, prophesying over me. I knew nothing was going on, right? He, pray, he didn't know anything about the word my wife had. He prayed the exact word my wife had years before. Confirming word like what Sarah was saying. So, though the Lord will use anyone, right? But I, I think for me, what I'm trying to say, it's more a lifestyle of developing relationships and um, just creating that space for God to really, you know, use people to, to speak through um, for you in, a, in a, like a normal lifestyle. Like, if God has a calling on you to, like, move to China, he's going to find anyone to make that clear to you. You know, even if you don't have that space, he's going to, like, 
go out of his, you know, he'll send the strangers in. He'll send the, the donkeys, you know, so to speak. But cool. If you have, okay, last one. Yeah, Karen, right? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's great. Yeah. 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 I know most of you don't have it because most of you are Americans. So it's just, it's the truth. It's just the truth of our, of our culture and our church in America. Um, prayer is the key. Cry out. You're not just looking like, hey, be my friend. Yeah, here's my guts, you know, here. No, you, you want divine friendships like the lord will like the lord will bring spouses he will bring friends he will bring those david and jonathans those ruth and naomi's because it's his heart so i really believe it not forcing things but but then you know what it's gonna start with probably coffee and you know you guys it's that intentionality i think the challenge in america is that we're so busy we don't have time to develop that history of relationship, right? So it's like we hang out with someone once a month. Well, I mean, that's great. That's better than a lot of things. But it's hard to, like, develop depth with that, right? So I love home groups because that's a good, like, touch point, And maybe you can meet people out of home groups. Or, or even here, like tonight, maybe you're connecting with someone. But um, I would say it's being intentional, um, I don't have the answer, but I know I've traveled the world. I've met these types of relationships in other cultures. The Lord will bring me someone out of nowhere, and there is a connect in the spirit. I just know it, how we talk, how we interact. I want to invest in those relationships. So maybe it's reprioritizing certain relationships, cutting out things. Maybe it, you know... Other hobbies, other, you know, this is spiritual, right? This, so we want to value this and cherish this um, and, 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 you know, invest our, our time and our resources into it. So I don't have a practical answer for that, but it's kind of like dating, right? You got to, like, you got to see them, right? You got to keep, right? It's not just going to, you don't just get, well, I guess you could do the mail order bride thing, but that's not cost money. Kenny doesn't like that, so. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, you could email the church um, or talk, talk to one of the pastors. We can get your contact information and um, yeah, yeah, hang out after. We'll, um, there's home groups going, so um, yeah, so um, we value that. Okay. Yeah. I want to do communion, and um, I wanted to give some words, but I think we're out of time. And Andy, can you? Yeah, thank you. We'll, we'll get some really emotional instrumental music. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, depending on God, right? So I just kind of wanted to, you know, this is it with this topic, and I hope this wouldn't just be a message. I hope this would really, this series would impact you, make you think about, how you do everyday life in your work with your family and the things even the Lord's gifted you with. Um, 
And I just feel like it's, it's again, it's the Lord's desire. It's, it's not us coming after him. So I'm going to open us up in prayer. And, um, yeah, if you're a believer, um, just take some time interacting with Jesus, um, thanking him for what he did on the cross, for how he was beaten for you, how his body was broken, his blood was spilt for you for this very thing. He didn't get whipped beyond recognition to get you into church. He did that because he loved you and he wanted to make his home inside of you and to do life with you both now and for eternity. Um, Yeah, so I'll open us in prayer. Feel free to just, you know, take the bread and the wine or the juice and I'll close us in prayer at the end. And, um, yeah, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this week, God. I pray we would, as Charles Spurgeon quoted, Lord, that the older we get in the faith, the more leaning, the more leaning we will be on the beloved. That that would be a a hallmark of our maturity is that we've learned through hell or high water that we know how to lean on you, Jesus. We thank you for making this practical. We choose right now in our minds just to take the attitude of a child. We just want to be in your lap, Lord. Papa God, we just want to... I thank you. We don't have to grow old in the faith. We don't have to have gray hair in the faith. Keep us young at heart, Lord. Shift our mindsets, Jesus, right now. I pray for an attitude of dependency to come into us. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll remind us. Remind us. When we, when we get off and start relying on the wrong thing, I pray you would remind us. You'd whisper in our ear and say, this is the way. Trust in me. Amen. So just take a few moments just with you and Jesus. Yeah, Lord, and 
Just in close, I thank you for this word. Right now, Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus for these divine kingdom relationships to come. Lord, I, this is your will. We ask for your will to be done. I pray, Lord, you would make it practical, that you would bring these divine appointments, these God moments. And Lord, we, I know there's a, a history that takes time to develop but I pray you'd make it easy, Lord. And I, I bless this church, Jesus. I pray this would be a word we, 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 this would be our culture. That we love to be at the feet of Jesus. But we also love to be in the community of others for what you do there, Lord. So I bless every home and I thank you for every person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. With this message in mind, it's a great idea if you have time to get to know some people tonight, get their names, connect with them, hang out, get to know people you haven't talked to. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.